Well, how many of you guys here uh, would consider yourself a lake person? You guys like to hang out on the lake a little bit? Got a couple, yeah. Anybody have a lake life sticker? And I see salt life all the time, but I'm like, where's the salt water around here? Any lake life stickers? No? I think I see any. Wow, I thought I'd get one in this service. Oh, well. Well, I've quickly become a lake person myself, uh, and that's because of my wife and her family. They they grew up on the lake. She grew up fishing and swimming and even skiing on the lake, and she's going to kill me for this, but I have a picture of her skiing up here. If we, if we can show that. Uh, where is it? Come on, James. There, there we go. Look at that. Look at that. So, and, and not, listen, listen, not only is she skiing, she is slalom skiing. So she's got one ski, people. That is hard stuff. Okay, stop, stop showing pictures. She's going to kill me. I can see her getting more and more angry with each picture. Okay, but I had to do something. It, it was our 13th anniversary this week, so I had to, I had to pick on her a little bit. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to get a swift kick in the rear when I get home for that. But, uh, you know, we, we have become lake people, and I'm talking about the lake today uh, because if you spent any amount of time on a lake, you've probably experienced a storm on the lake. Anybody out there ever been through a storm on a lake? Whew, it is not fun, people, okay? I've had a couple of experiences with this, and I'm going to use some illustrations from those experiences today. Um, but the, the good thing about a lake, uh, a storm on the lake is that normally you can see it coming, right? I mean, if you're on the open water, you can kind of see in the distance, well, there's some dark clouds, maybe the wind starts picking up a little bit, you might even see a little pop of lightning, and you, you decide, okay, well, it's, it's time for me and my family to get off the lake so we're not in any danger. But the crazy thing about life is that you don't always see the storms coming. Am I right? You kind of get blindsided sometimes by those, those things that happen in life, and you end up going through something so hard that your faith, your life, your family, it could just be shaken to the core. And you don't always have time to, to process the emotion of it all, right? You just, uh, you just have time to react. You just have time to react to what's going on. And it's in that reaction that your faith is tested, that your bearings are tested. And if your bearings in this life aren't set, right, if you don't know where north is, where you're going to head, then you're going to end up shipwrecked. And the scripture I want to focus on today has Jesus coming out of a storm himself, okay? So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14 today. And uh, in the beginning of the chapter, you see that Jesus receives news that his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded, that, that he was murdered by King Herod. And this was, this was upsetting to Jesus. This was devastating. The Bible tells us in Matthew 14, 13, that when he heard of it, that he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. You know, I, I wonder what Jesus did in those moments. And we don't often see him where he's alone. Uh, he's usually surrounded by either his disciples or a crowd of people who are, are wanting him to perform some sort of miracle. But here he is, off in a solitary place. And I want to ask you, have you ever been in a place, have you ever been hurt so bad that you just want to withdraw. You just want to go off alone. You don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want anybody to see the look on your face or, or see you cry because of something that you're going through, right? And the crazy thing is that Jesus knew as omniscient God what was going to happen to John. He knew that John was going 
to eventually die, right? But despite that, it didn't stop Jesus from hurting people. It didn't stop him from having pain when his cousin was killed. And maybe you're in that boat with Jesus right now, and you don't know why this storm has come into your life, but I want you to know that Jesus is there with you. And he's felt the kind of pain that maybe you're feeling now or, or maybe that we all will inevitably feel at some point in life. So the scripture I want to focus on today is Matthew 14, 22 through 32. And it picks up after Jesus uh, ha- has gone off to a solitary place. He comes back. He performs one of the greatest miracles of his ministry, the feeding of the 5,000. Then we pick it up here in verse 22. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, if you've been in or around church any, uh, at any point in your life, you've probably heard this story. You've heard about Jesus walking on water. Maybe you've heard about Peter walking on water. Um, and, and a lot of times we use this a story to talk about the power of Jesus, you know, the fact that he was the creator and the commander of all things, uh, that he's sovereign over all creation, that the wind and waves obey him, right? Um, But it's interesting to me that, you know, if he's the creator of all things and can control those things, then why was it in verse 22 through 24 that he sent his disciples across the lake? He knew that was going to happen. Why did he put them in that situation? Have you ever thought about that? And that that brings me to my first point, which is that when the storm hits, Jesus knows you're in the storm. You know, a lot of times in my life, I assume that if I was doing what God directed me to do, then the wind would be with me, right? It would be at my back. It would be helping me attain or achieve that God-given goal, right? But what I've, uh, you know, early Christianity talks about this. You know, we, we think that when we turn our life over to Christ, that we're just going to have it easy. It's going to be smooth sailing. What keeps us up at night isn't going to keep us up anymore. But Jesus debunks that myth. Right? He says in John 16, that in this world, you will have suffering. So I've started to understand that just because the wind is against me, all right, just because I'm having some resistance, doesn't mean that God is not for me. And that because when you're in the storms of life, Uh, Jesus knows that you're there. It's easy to think that we're in a storm all alone, that maybe Christ has given up on us, uh, that maybe we've been abandoned, or maybe he even wants to punish us, we think. But it amazes me that he sent his disciples off to Bethsaida knowing they would encounter this storm. 
lets me know that when we're paddling through the storms of life, straining in the waves, he knows. He knows because the good chance that he sent you. You see, Scripture mentions in verse 23 that he went up on a mountainside, all right? And historians believe that this mountainside, this hillside, overlooked the Sea of Galilee. So as Jesus was up on the hillside praying, you know, after he dismissed the crowds, it says that he was up on the hillside praying, and I like to think that while he was up there, he could see the disciples down on the Sea of Galilee, straining and struggling in the waves, and if you've ever been like a, uh, if you've ever been a parent sitting at a dinner table and you're saying a blessing, you know, it's kind of like keeping that one eye open, watching your kids, you know, making sure they're not stealing biscuits. And um, y'all like biscuits? I love biscuits. Biscuits and jelly. So Jesus, maybe he was up there watching. He was, you know, between prayers, peeking on his disciples and he was saying, man, how, how are they doing out there in those wind and the waves? So he was watching them while he was on the hillside. Think about that. Let it sink in for a minute that the storm you're in, maybe that you can see in the distance, may be one that he directed you toward. And not only that, but he's watching to see how you react in the storm. Let's think about Jesus' reaction for a second. After he found out the news about John the Baptist, what did he do? Did he crawl up in fetal position and decide, man, I'm, I'm giving this thing up. Man, there's people dying for, for their faith, you know. I'm just, I'm going to have the human reaction, and I'm just going to give up, go back to carpentry. No, he didn't do that. It says he went off alone. He prayed. He spent time with his heavenly father. He sought direction and peace. He refocused his mission and came back to do one of the greatest miracles. He knew that God could see him, and he knew God knew his pain. And when we understand that Jesus went through pain, just like we do, it helps us know that he knows we're in a storm and what it's like to be there. Look at Hebrews 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. It tells us, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So when we realize, when you realize that you're in a storm, you've also got to realize that Christ knows it. Christ sees you. And it's your opportunity to approach God's throne of grace, right? To receive mercy, to find grace. And when the storm hits, we have to understand that. That he empathizes with us. So when the storm hits, we've got to believe that Jesus knows we're there. And second, Jesus is with you in the storm. He not only sees you, but he's there with you in a storm. Now, there was one time uh, a couple years ago where we decided to ride out on the lake and go to a restaurant on the water. So we, we drove the boat up there, and um, we were getting ready to order our food while we were sitting on the, the deck up at this restaurant. And we started to hear rumblings of thunder. Clouds were kind of getting dark in the distance. We started checking the Weather Channel app, and sure enough, you know, there was this little cell of storms coming towards us. So me and Tiffany talked, and we said, hey, the best thing to do 
would be just to, you know, me take the boat, go back to the house, and then take the car to the restaurant. That way, you know, we could go by land back if it was still storming. So we agreed to do this. I, I hop in the boat. Just as I'm hopping the boat, it starts to rain. Right? So this storm's kind of chasing me at this point. I'm, I'm cruising down the lake, and all of a sudden, I realize I turned down the wrong cove. Somewhere along the way, I got lost. I had no idea where I was. So I'm sitting out there for a minute. You know, the rain's coming down in sheets at this point. And I decide, well, the best thing for me to do probably be to head back the way I came. I know how to get there, okay? So I turn the boat around, and I'm going into the storm at this point, uh, which is not fun, by the way, if you've ever experienced that. You know, the rain is pelting me. I can hardly see. So I'm going back to the restaurant on the water in the storm, and as I'm coming in, I kind of faintly see something, you know, as I'm coming in towards the restaurant, and and I almost hit it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a ghost like the disciples saw, not a ghost. Uh, It actually was a no-wake buoy. So I almost take this buoy out, you know, and I, I get the boat up to the dock. I pull in. I didn't realize, you know, everybody and their mama in the restaurant was watching me come in. They're like, who is this fool coming in this storm, taking buoys out? You know, this, this guy's going to crash. What is he doing? And uh, when, when I got up there, Tiffany was so proud when she found out it was me. So proud. Yeah, her husband was that idiot, okay? But what I wouldn't have given for someone to be with me in that storm, to be with me in the boat that knew that lake and could say, no, this is the cove you need to turn down. No, turn this way so you don't hit that no-wake buoy, all right? I would have loved that, all right? It was scary being out there all alone in the storm. And maybe you guys think you're in a storm right now and you're all alone. There's no one there beside you. But the text says that Christ was with the disciples. It says that he went out to them. Jesus sees us in our struggle, fighting against the wind and waves, and he comes to us. But if we're not looking for God, we don't know what to look for, we're going to miss out. It all depends on our relationship with him. God from a distance can seem terrifying. He can seem like a ghost. But when we invite him in, then we know a different God. We know a God who's loving. We know a God who cares for you. Look at what Jesus says. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. That's something a loving father would say to his son. Is it not? He desires good things in your life. But if you only know a God of righteousness, of justice, of holiness, then yeah, God's going to be kind of scary. If you don't know the God that the disciples encountered here, you're going to be scared. But look at what Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says when it describes God. It says, ask and you will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your sons asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So this reminds us that that he's good, he's loving, that he's there with us when it hurts. And it's interesting to me that uh, in this 
when Jesus speaks to the disciples on the water, he's using the phrase, it is I, which if you, if you take that uh, translation, it's actually the same phrase that God used with Moses in the burning bush back in Exodus 3.14. God says, I am who I am. Jesus is saying, it is I, I am. And he was reminding the disciples that God is everything we need. Just like he was everything we, uh, the, the Hebrew people needed in their time of distress, right? When they went into battle, he was their warrior. He was the rock in a weary land when they were thirsting. He was a pillar of fire by night to lead their way, and he was a cloud by day to cool them in the desert. Jesus was reminding his disciples that he is what they needed in that moment. And he is what we need. He's what you need in your moment of distress. He's your peace. He's your protection. He's your guide and friend. He's our companion on the rough seas and in the dry places of life. But if we don't get to know him in a closer way, if we keep him at arm's length, then we're never going to know Jesus in this way. You know, I have this uh, anchor on my boat, and it, it doesn't weigh a whole lot, but it's got some kind of sharp points on it, you know, like a triangular shape. And um, I've thrown it out before, and it never really sticks real well. Uh, and I've always kind of been like, well, I'm just going to have to throw another anchor out. So I ended up putting two anchors out. Sometimes that doesn't work, okay? So uh, it wasn't until I talked to a friend who said, hey, you need to put some chain on your anchor to weigh it down, to get it to lay flat on the bottom of the lake, and then it's going to stick. Those sharp points are going to dig in. So I say, all right, well, I'm going to go to, uh, to Lowe's and get some chain. So I'm looking at chain, and this chain is expensive. Did you know that? I'm like, man, chain? Really? What? And so the more you get, the more it costs. You know, you pull it out by the foot. They cut it for you. So I'm thinking, Psh, I'm going to get like two feet of chain. I'm just, I ain't spending that much. Something I'm, I'm going to get two, maybe four feet. And then it hits me, I'm like, no, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be the cheapskate. I'm going to go ahead, get eight feet of chain. It was like 25 bucks for chain. And uh, I check out, I take it home, I put it on. But guys, I will tell you what, the next time I went out on that lake, boy, it was howling wind. It was crazy. Actually, uh, my, my niece and nephew are here. Where are you? Right there. My niece and nephew are with me. Was it not windy that day? It was windy, okay? And I, we, I turned the engine off. The, the boat was just down the water, okay? I throw that chain out, clunk, boom. We just stuck. I mean, we did not move inch from where that anchor hung up, right? And what I realized is that the more you invest in that chain, the better the anchor is going to hold. And it's the same in our relationship with the Lord. The more you invest in your relationship with the Lord, the more you pour in to your relationship, the better he is going to hold you down and anchor you in those storms. So the question is, is God still a terrifying ghost to you? Or is he the anchor that will hold? The one who will never leave you or forsake you, the friend who's closer than a brother. If you ask him, like the scripture said from Matthew, if you ask him, he will bring peace. If you ask him, he will give wisdom. If you ask him, he will provide. If you ask him, he will bring healing. 
If you ask him, he will give you courage in your storm. So when the storm hits, realize that Jesus knows you're in the storm. That Jesus is with you in the storm. And lastly, realize that when the storm hits, you've got to stand with Jesus in the storm. Let's look back at uh, verse 28 through 32. It says, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. It's easy to have the woe is me mentality when something bad in life happens, to just sulk and and question, you know, why is this happening to me, and, and have a little pity party. What's hard to do in the storm is to stand to stand with Jesus. You know, I think of, uh, think of people standing in storms. I think of that guy on the Weather Channel, Jim Cantore. You guys know, know that guy? Jim Cantore, right? I mean, how, why do we know Jim Cantore? It's because, yeah, hurricane coverage, right? I mean, he gets out there in these 100-mile-an-hour winds, and he's getting pelted by the rain, and he's, you know, the storm's coming. And, I mean, he's crazy, Right? In the beginning of his career, he could have easily told his producers, or maybe it was, maybe it was his dumb idea, I don't know. He could have told the producers, look, I'm not getting out in that storm. Are you crazy? I'm going to stay in this van, and we're going to put the camera out the window, and we're just going to cover it from here. I'm just going to commentate from in the van in the safety, right? But that's not why we know Jim Cantori. We know the name Jim Cantori because he got out and stood in the storm. Standing in the storm is dangerous. Standing in the storm is risky. But you know what? With risk comes reward. I mean, look at Peter. He risked it. He got out of the boat. He stood with Jesus. He walked on water. That's pretty significant, wouldn't you say? I mean, I I think if most of us would say, hey, have you heard of Peter from the Bible? You'd be like, oh, yeah, he's the guy that walked on water, right? I mean, that's what I remember about Peter. So, Jesus reaches out his hand, right? If we're willing to reach out during these trials of life, he's going to reach out and he's going to pick us up. If we're willing to take the risk and stand with him. And don't doubt what he's capable of. Don't let the enemy surround you with doubt, right? The enemy wants you to think that healing is impossible. The enemy wants you to think that that job is unattainable. The enemy wants you to think that that child is a lost cause. The enemy wants you to think that your marriage can't be restored. But Jesus wants you to know that if you call out to him, he will bring restoration. He will bring healing. He will bring courage. I wanted to share with you a story about some folks here at Village Church and for you to hear their testimony about how they stood in the storm. So let's check out this video of Ricky and Rhonda Dennis. Okay, I'm Ricky Dennis. This is Rhonda Dennis, my better half. And we've been about four and a half years with Village Church. Um, it started back in actually in 2016 with um, what they described as diverticulitis and they changed the diagnosis about four or five times they never could 
actually get the real diagnosis. Um, so in May, I had um, surgery that was supposed to be uh, about a two-week recovery, and when that started, um, it was not what they anticipated, so I ended up with an ileostomy bag. And I knew my husband loved me. I just didn't know how much my husband loved me. Anyway, when Eric preached on the circle prayer, uh, it really hit me dead hard, and this was all going on. And so I would come to work. I'd come to work at 5 o'clock in the morning. We own our own business, so I able to do that. Uh, and I would do my circle prayers, and these little sticky notes became prayers every day for her, and it got to be pretty large, as y'all see. People at the church that were going through such a hard time that they had no business thinking about me, that every week, without fail, I would get a card. Praying for you, thinking of you, get well, you know, just village church community and family. And that's what we are, we're family. We just, um, it's just amazing. Well, the biggest anchor for me was just supporting of everybody in the church. And as I've said before, and I told her that, you know, Emily was my go-to girl. I would send her a message because when you're in the hospital and you're in the heat of the battle, it's hard to talk to everybody. So she really, uh, she was the anchor and the women purpose group. And then like she says, as we've, uh, it's been terrific this week, uh, my brother's going through a situation, the huddle that she talked to, I've been showing him my phone, beep, 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 beep. I said, listen, look at these prayers. He's a Christian, but his church is not quite as uh, uh, advanced in that, and uh, he has just been overwhelmed because yeah, I've, I've been using that noise standing beside him to cheer him up. When you're standing there and you're, you're walking through, and walking through, not standing still, but you're walking through this valley. If you don't have a foundation, it gets rocky. And even with a foundation, it can get rocky. But with the support system that we've had, it's been amazing. It was really kind of jaw-dropping walking into that office and seeing all of those sticky notes, really from, from ceiling to floor, all of the prayers that Ricky had written for his wife. That was an amazing thing. And knowing, you know, that, that wasn't even, that was just one of the storms they had been through recently. There was more than that. But they stood with Jesus through all of that. They drew closer to him in their time of need. So I ask you, do you need help today? Are you walking through a storm? Or maybe you see one in the distance. You know, it's our responsibilities as followers of Christ to lift one another up in those storms. You know, you heard them talk about V groups. Guys, if you have not gotten plugged into a group and you're hanging around a group of people that believe in the power of Jesus' name and the power of prayer, you've got to do that. There's that contact card in your bulletin today. I know we sound like a broken record when we say this, okay? I know you've heard it before. But I'm serious, it will change your life. And when God answers prayers like he answered them for Ricky and Rhonda, it's going to give you a testimony. I want to see so many testimonies of the way God has answered prayer, about how God, about how people have stood with God through their storm. 
and brought them through. Now, as I close today, I ask you, who or what is your anchor? When the storm hits, when it hits your home, your family, when the storm hits your job, when it hits your marriage, where do you seek refuge? Maybe you're hurting or struggling. You're being tossed by the waves. Cry out to Jesus. Call to him. He loves you. He's able to handle whatever storm it is that you're going through right now. Isaiah 28, 16 says that he is the precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will be unshakable. Do you want an unshakable faith? You can lean on him. Put your full weight on him. And he can take your burden, calm the wind and waves.